I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Internet Marketing. I'm here with William Gadsby Pete of Literal Humans fame. Welcome back to the podcast, William. Thank you very much for having me again, Scott. We're going to be talking today about affordable Web3 marketing examples. And before we get into that, do you want to remind listeners a little bit about you and your role at Literal Humans? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, one of the co-founders and the chief strategy officer at Literal Humans. Um, we are a content digital marketing agency, um, do do a bit of everything, but we really sort of specialize in um, human to human content marketing. Um, and so really pretty platform agnostic, you know, wh- whether it's a social post, Web3 that we're going to discuss or a blog. Um, so yeah, Web3 is something we've been working with um, a little bit with some of our clients, um, something we've sort of dipped our toe and, and actually taken a bit of a dive into recently. So um, yeah, that's, uh, that's why we wanted to talk about it today. You have a few Web3 clients at the moment, is that correct? Not on the active roster just this moment, um, yeah. but we have had in the past, yeah. And uh, are you able to tell me who they were or share who they were? Yeah, so um, probably the most recent one was a platform called Sasaya. Um, they are a sort of um, competitor to OnlyFans, um, built on blockchain, and the uh, like. A it's probably a weird uh, rabbit hole to go down for our listeners, but um, so it's really not liked by most of the sort of adult performance um, sort of industry. So Sasaya using blockchain. Um, basically offers content creators an alternative platform and it democratizes the platform using blockchain where basically the more you use it, um, the more you uh, tokens you get that give you a voting stake in the future product roadmap and any key decisions of the pro- platform, um, thus essentially decentralizing and democratizing uh, what has previously been a very unpleasant sort of content user experience. But when did you start to even seek out Web3 clients or get involved? You, I think you used the phrase dip your toe. When did you start to dip your toe into the Web3 space as an agency? Yeah, I think our very first sort of um, dipping of the toe came with a client of ours called Playbook. 
common they're like Dropbox mixed with Pinterest. Um, they're, they're cloud storage platform specifically for designers. Um, so you browse your files visually rather than the sort of like ended uh, endless um, sort of folders within folders of, of Dropbox or Google Drive. Um, and they're a very cool platform. They tend to sort of stay ahead of um, most trends, like, you know, as graphic designers tend to, because they, they often get asked to design um, for whatever the sort of like latest must have thing is. And they did uh, an NFT drop um, just, you know, like probably two years ago. Um, that was that was maybe the, the very first experience as an agency of Web3. And, and it went really well. Um, you know, it generated a huge amount of new monthly active users for them, saw a huge amount of sort of trading and uh, buzz generated online um, and just, you know, really fitted well with their ethos. You know, they're a very visually led, design led brand. They created really cool NFTs. They also got a few of their sort of um, resident artists that use the platform and a sort of brand advocates to create unique NFTs. And it was just a very fun, nice, pleasant experience that was really unique and, and unlike anything I'd ever really seen. But um, so that was kind of our first experience as an agency. Um, I, I had about six months prior to that launched a cryptocurrency with some friends as a bit of a like, yeah, why the hell not? Um, so yeah, that was that was our very first sort of experience. And we we're just like, you know what, um, this this is like, the exact opposite of everything we've heard from, um, you know, crypto at world of it's all rug pulls and it's all nasty. It was just like, okay, there's a way for brands to genuinely use these platforms um, in a way that's just another tool of marketing that's nice and really builds community. You mentioned your personal experience there six months before really the agency started to get involved. I'm really curious about that. So is that cryptocurrency something that's still going? No, it was it was called Bingo and it had a very cool concept and I I just liked the idea. So I was like, yeah, why not? Um, I'll, I'll get involved in this. But basically, it's a cryptocurrency and every time you bought some, you got in, in your unique transaction code. Um, that that there um if you if it matched to that month's four um letter and number um code you won all of this pot so every time it was traded there's a small burn fee and that all went into this communal pot um so it's a really cool idea and I, again i was just fascinated by like the sort of um like mechanics and possibilities of this world um although in in classic sort of crypto fashion it turned out one of the sort of 10 people i was doing it with had like previously launched another coin that had gone really well and then bought up a bunch of the crypto and then sold a bunch of it and actually kind of screwed everyone else over and it turned into a bit of a machiavellian knife fest right. so um that was kind of my first experience where i was like oh this world is interesting but probably has quite a lot of um room to grow before it's a real serious tool for marketers i think we've reached a space at least with nfts i know we talk about other web3 marketing examples but at least with nfts today and maybe some crypto projects where that initial gold rush, those kind of stories that you're telling me now, they're starting to die out. And hopefully we're reaching that point where we're starting to see the real value. You know, some of the bad practices aren't happening as frequently. What do you think? How do you feel at the moment? No, 100%. And, and I think everything in digital has this life cycle. People always forget how fucking terrible the internet was when it first launched and the, the, the dot-com crash. Um, you know, people go in, all in, there's no regulation, no one has any idea how to spot a charlatan versus an actual, um, you know, real brand doing something legitimate. Um, and people get ripped off. And, and the very mm. first people that flock to the platform are almost always criminals or, or some form of shady characters. And I, I feel like we have absolutely had 
probably four or five years of that with with crypto and NFTs, obviously some exceptions. And, and we are now starting to, certainly in the last few years, really see the adults in the room showing the true potential of the technology. Um, you know, Nike is now generating billions of dollars um, every quarter through its use of NFTs and Web3. Um, and, and like that, that, they've shown so much cool, genuine added value to their customers with that, with Swoosh and with Nikeland and with all the cool stuff they've done. Um, so yeah, I do actually think it's quite probably like the next three years are actually probably the really exciting time for Web3 where we finally get sort of these standard practices, a feeling of security, and brands that are taking the platform on and using it in interesting ways to offer genuinely unique experiences rather than just doing rug pulls. Um, so yeah, I, like I'm, I'm optimistic about it and and think, um, yeah, just like the first days of the first sort of days of Twitter or Facebook were, were a nightmare until they figured out how to regulate the platform and the first days of the internet were a nightmare before they figured out how to regulate the platform. Um, we've got past that, the, the really bad bit and, and now we're kind of into the fun, exciting part. Do you find uh, a similar experience to the one that I had where maybe now, because you do believe in this, because you do see the benefits, are you finding yourself having to convince other members of your team to overcome some of their skepticism because of all of those things that we just shared? Or have you got a general consensus in your team about this? Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, like right now, it's quite easy because you you can it's you know if you genuinely under, understand Web three and the platforms, it's a very quick answer for does this client qualify as a good idea to to be on here. Um, so it, it's quite easy just as a team where you're just like, well, no, of course not. Like that that deep law client we have is is not ready for Decentraland or, or any of the um, the stuff there. What what I think this platform, what I think Web three is interesting for is it tends to be our clients that are the most interesting and fun who are down for experimentation on it and and for having a go. And generally, like you know. All, Nike, like I mentioned, a good example. But all of all of the good examples of Web three um, marketing that have gone well are similar to all of the examples of Web two marketing that have gone well. There's genuine creativity and storytelling at the heart of them, and then they've just used the platform and the sort of unique characteristics of the platform to amplify what is just good storytelling and marketing. Um, so yeah, it's it's been pretty easy as an agency. Um, you know, for, like for Playbook, for example, they're fun, they're creative. They just launched a bunch of AI stuff. Um, they're always down to experiment and, and get involved with um web3 and they're a very good fit for it for some of our more traditional clients um you know if we see the opportunities arise you know we'll certainly mention them to them and try and convince them um but in terms of our internal team no i, I think we have a very good understanding of what web3 is and is not for um and when it's applicable to our clients at the moment and for anyone listening to this that maybe holds any skepticism wants to start getting involved in particularly, I guess, blockchain, NFTs, crypto. Is there any safe way that you would recommend people start to learn? Um, and how did you learn? That's a very good question. In terms of sort of safe in blockchain and crypto like crypto no like crypt, crypto is stock trading there is no safe way to do it like you you, you can through wallets uh, through using this like one of the sort of four or five major wallets um reading up on like really what are the sort of like 20 or 30 stable coins you know you can have more you're having more of an experience as if you're at a stock market where you are making bets on buying and selling and trading 
Um, so, but it is ultimately gambling. Like, you know, that, that is what the stock market is. It, it's legitimized gambling. So that, that always has to be front of mind. And my recommendation for getting to understand and experience these platforms is always just like, okay, assign an amount of money you can genuinely afford to lose and view this as a fun, interesting thing you're doing to understand the world. Um, buy a couple of NFTs you know, do a bit of trading, but, you know, see it as a, essentially a casino, because um, that is what it is. Um, and even the stable coins, as we've seen, like Ethereum and um, Bitcoin, have had some pretty, pretty ropey times. Um, so, it, you know, and it's, it's, it, it really is very analogous to the stock market of like, and that's true of all companies, you know, it's like, oh, I can invest in Wells Fargo. Oh, shit, they had they released a quarterly report, and they they'd lost five points on their stock, like, I've lost money. Um, so that would be my advice there. The other one is like, there are a lot of um, good Discord servers out there, Telegram groups, um, communities that you can join, subreddits in particular, where you can learn a lot of the lingo, learn a lot of the sort of culture. Um, it's a little bit like gaming in that some people are very hostile to quote unquote noobs. Um, and there are actually quite a lot of warm, welcoming communities where people will kind of hold your hand, explain how things work and have written out really comprehensive guides. Um, yes, especially on the major um, trading platforms. Um, like Binance and stuff, they have really comprehensive, how do we get you from having no idea what any of this means to trading on our platform um, sort of tutorials and guides. Um, so yeah, th those are the major places. I mean, it's, it's sort of almost similar to any other market. Find the five or six folk that have been around from day one, are very well trusted and peer reviewed, and then read up on all their stuff, join their communities, engage with other folk in the space. Are there any um, particular creators or platforms or resources that come to mind that were just especially useful for you? So I like mine was probably mainly through Discord servers. Yeah. Um, and they're all called, you know, called similar things like Diamond Hands or, or Crypto Bros or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, influences I've always like, I, I there are other folk that um, have sort of four or five that they really swear by. I've always found them a little bullshitty because like, you know, if they're truly have this market insight into crypto um and trading they wouldn't need to create a personal brand as a content creator because they, they'd be very very rich um so th that said there are some folk out there who've made a ton of money from it and you know they're probably going to give you a better starting point than just going as a pure novice um i i don't i've not yeah, I don't love any of them. I've I've found the most sort of value from yeah, Discord subreddits like um uh, forwards is it forward slash crypto like r forward slash crypto or, or something. The the main uh, um crypto subreddit is is a gold mine, and if you're really looking to like sort of the, the wild wild west of stuff there's one called um forward like forward slash moonshots and forward slash shit coins that's that's far more like this is the stuff that i'm like it's literally called like meme coin or whatever and and like it, it's a bit of a laugh and it, no one really thinks it's ever going to be valuable but it, it's all you can learn a lot from those communities because they tend to be the sort of diehard enthusiasts and every yeah. now and again t twenty thousand people will all invest in the same coin and like at, like literally within a day your ten dollars will turn into a grand and you're like how has this happened <laughs> um so yeah i i like i've no influencers but in terms of discord servers communities find those true online communities of like hardcore nerds also one caveat to that is within those communities accept that a lot of people are going to try and sell you shit and ignore those people look for the folks that are genuinely just giving you advice and sort of um free free education and free resources 
I was thinking as I asked you the question, I was thinking, how did I learn as well? So there are three things that come to mind for me that I guess you haven't mentioned that are quite specific that I think are worth sharing. So the first is um, Udemy, and I guess all the other course platforms have these, but I'm typically a person that I will try and find my way first and then bring it all together in some kind of course. So I tried my way first and then I went to Udemy for some kind of more advanced learning. And there are, I haven't even looked recently, but I imagine there are plenty of you know, introduction to blockchain or introduction to NFT type courses on Udemy. So that might not be a bad place to look. The second thing that came to mind for me was Coinbase. Originally, a few years back, they didn't have this, but they started to build out quite a lot of tutorial content on crypto. And I found that useful from time to time to learn about different coins and what their pros and cons and benefits and features are. So that's been useful. And one that's maybe a bit more polarizing is Gary V. Um, so for me, I actually attended a lot maybe when v friends first came out maybe two three years ago whenever that was just their team talking through the process of setting up things like wallets and how it all works and how to release nft projects now of course they were doing that for their own benefit to get people bought into the process but there was a hell of a lot of good education shared and actually it really helped me learn the process and the mechanics of nfts and also opened my eyes to the opportunities i imagine a lot of that content still exists on there their site and their YouTube channels as well. Um, yeah, no, just doubling, doubling down, we said, uh, yeah, Coinbase, Coinbase has a very good learn uh, section of its website and Binance has a Binance Academy, very similar to like the, the Google Ads Academy that we've, we've probably all, we all know and love. Um, Gary V, Gary fucking V. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure anyone's presence in the NFT market is, um, is, is good or bad. Um, I, I think Gary V is the one of the, all-time greatest personal marketing personal brand builders in the world and if he's on nfts and as he, as he has shown you how you can create an incredibly um you know like not what's the word i'm looking for that's not rabid but incredibly committed and dedicated fan base and community all centralized one around one figure and it's all through like nfts and and, and crypto i yeah i think it's a, a, mar- a sort of like marker of how you can do it well even if uh, you know i i, I take everything in with that man says and, and his community with a pinch of salt um you know I, I, there's no denying the success and how much money it's made him so uh yeah you know i, I think it it's maybe not a a net positive for, for uh, NFTs all around the world, but it's certainly a, a net positive for like, this is what you can do with it if you do it smart and you do it well. Uh, so we've talked so far about uh, Web3, mainly in context of NFTs and crypto, but what's your definition of Web3? What else does that encompass? That is a, a very good question. And um, I mean, if yeah, I'm sure we'll get people that disagree with it. So there's kind of... There's almost two versions of Web3. There's like what the press has come to think of as Web3, which is basically just like anything that's a little bit more 3D and interactive. Um, it, you know, the, like the slightly more 3D and interactive version of the internet. Then there's kind of like the mid 2000s um, Web3, which was very much focused on like things had to be built on blockchain. Um, it was There was promising this sort of like, utopian future where we escape web two which is very much built around not the user being the the sort of focus like you know quite frankly web two is sort of like fuck the user we're trying to get as, as many sort of like units of data through this website to then market to them web three was sort of promises this world where like no one would have access to your data unless you specifically accepted that and offered it um 
no one could um, sort of, um, yeah, really own any of these platforms. They'd all be built through DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, which are essentially like how you get a, a hundred people to work together as if they're a company without anyone actually owning the finished product through smart contracts. And and I think that version of Web3 probably isn't going to happen, um, like as, as sad as that is to say, um, you know, this sort of, relatively like anarchaic rebellious um sort of like vision um probably isn't gonna isn't gonna get there like you know and and i think we'll almost maybe see sort of two two versions of web3 the kind of like um the more corporate and and mainstream version and then kind of like almost like the dark web of of um, web3 um because yeah i mean you know the one of the biggest players in metaverses is facebook they they have pretty vested interest in being able to buy and sell and track your data. They are not building um, Horizon Worlds so that they can not access anyone's data. Um, you know, they've sort of dabbled in tokens and coins and shit, but like it's all pretty like you know paying lip service to the culture. Um, and and similarly, like you know what like some of the most successful um, sort of. And again, this is a debate whether or not it's a Web3 marketing activation or not, but I'd say it is. You know, some of the biggest ones of those have happened in like Fortnite. Again, very much centralized servers. All your data is being tracked. Um, you know, it, it is a Web2 platform that offers a 3D virtual environment that is a metaverse. But, you know, is that Web3? Is it not? Um, you know, most press would tell you, yeah, Fortnite is absolutely Web3. Most purists would go, if it's not built on blockchain, then, you know, it's not. So um, my, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a new, sorry, that's a really complicated answer to a very simple question. Um, but I, I'd say it's, it's, it's a bit of a, it, I think where we are right now is similar to the early stages of the internet where everything was the internet, like, you know, servers were the internet, search platforms were the internet, email, email was the internet, um, forums were the internet. And what we'll find is actually it's sort of, a hundred interrelated and actually kind of competing um, platforms that all make up an ecosystem and that some of them will be built on blockchain and some of them won't. Um, and, we'll, you know, like for some people, uh, the Apple Vision Pro is Web3. It's like, is it? Like, it's just a fancy Zoom call. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that we'll, we will still take another sort of four or five years for people to really settle on exactly what Web3 is and is not. Because um, a lot of the previous tenants in the mid-2010s tw- uh, uh, have, have not come to pass. Yeah, I think I understand what you're saying there is that the um, maybe the technical purists are considering Web3 to just be something that's built on blockchain at the moment and the more accepted view or a evolving view of web free from the general public is anything that's more than 2d is that fair yeah and like you know i think you know for again for some some focus like well if it's not got nfts or or blockchain it's, it's not web three but then you know you have um a, lo- a lot of the people making the most money out of this that aren't aren't using or exclusively using those platforms um so yeah i, I think it just remains to be seen um what we accept and don't accept um like right now i'd say um yeah ge- generally sort of like anything with um nfts and and blockchain is probably far more web3 like virtual reality and ar experiences 
tend to get lumped in with um, Web3, but I, I wouldn't call them like classic Web3 because, you know, like a, a Snapchat filters and AR, um, an augmented reality tool. It, you know, it's hosted by a massive um, social media corporation that absolutely wants to buy and sell your data. It's not, um, you know, this this decentralized place that gives you more um, freedom and anonymity as a user. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of a difference between sort of the public perception and and maybe what really is the what was meant to be the foundation of, uh, of web3 breaking down the affordability factor first i think i know what your answer is going to be but i'm guessing not all web3 marketing has to be expensive no absolutely and and i think it's yeah it's it's always the same people assume because they don't know much about the platforms it's incredibly expensive um be- before jumping into some of those affordable market tactics i think yeah, the the main thing is if you are not good at traditional marketing, you are not going to be good at Web3 marketing. So it's it's sort of like don't see it as like a shortcut to creativity. What um yeah, I think it's very affordable to to actually um advertise and, and run marketing strategies in Web3. Like there, there's a few sort of different plays and I'll kind of maybe just quickly go through some yeah. of them um in terms so like first NFT is very still much still a thing. Um, you know, there's a bunch of brands um, showing that they can be used well. Um, you know, the, the pr- what the difference is is like in the true gold rush era, you'd just be like, oh, hey, here's like a hilarious NFT of a horse, and because the internet's a silly place, it would end up being worth two hundred thousand dollars because loads of people trade on it, and it's like, what the hell? That that's not happening anymore, and, and quite frankly, good. Um, what is happening is you have these really interesting uses of NFTs to offer them almost as like brand loyalty cards. Um, so like I said, Nike, the a brilliant example of this, so a Dolce & Gabbana, where you sort of buy this NFT um, that is, you, you know, is as real as if you bought something in the real world because of how blockchain and NFTs work. Um, so I should probably explain that for users. Like an NFT is basically just a, a thing that is hosted on multiple servers in a way that's encrypted so that no one can mess with it. So if you get sold it and can verify it on um, like the, the chain that it's on, you know that it is as real as, as like holding a brick in your hand. Um, so Dolce and Gabbana, Obviously, I couldn't have chosen a worse example for affordable marketing. But, um, but they host these really like um, cool NFTs where you buy it. And as soon as you buy it, you get like a, a swag package sent to your phys- physical address. You also get exclusive access to um, special events, both in the real world and virtually. You get exclusive access to future drops of NFTs and um, crypto. Um, and you just get basically this whole bunch of cool VIP stuff. And that is, there is no reason you can't offer that um, as any other brand. Like um, that's repeatable by by the smallest um, brand through to the largest. And on platform platforms um with platforms like OpenSea, super rare and rareable you now have these curated nft marketplaces that also allow you to mint nfts for really not much money and like there there you literally google how to mint an nft a bunch of stuff will come up it's pretty easy process and it doesn't cost much money um so yeah that's something brands could absolutely repeat where you know you're, you're offering this vip loyalty card that turns about you know, maybe 500 pounds of physical product into something people are willing to pay 1,500,000 pounds plus, 2,000 pounds plus, because they get all this cool exclusive stuff. One of the other things that's very cool about NFTs is you can build into the sort of like 
law, the smart contract of that NFT, that anytime it's traded, you get a percentage of that cut. So Nike make hundreds of millions of dollars uh, a month off the fact that people trade their um, NFTs to each other because it gives them exclusive access to Nike events, gives them exclusive access to Nike merch. Um, and again, obviously, that's a huge example from a massive transnational company. But it's very cool, the idea of, you know, you sell a thousand of these NFTs that are actually brand loyalty cards, and then they get traded like maybe 5,000 times over the year, and you just make money off of those, your, your sort of hard, most hardcore brand advocates trading their loyalty cards to each other because they're interested in the brand. Um, so that's one that I really like. And, and I've seen a lot of smaller indie brands do very cool stuff with that. You know, you buy a physical product in a store, you immediately get an NFT or, hey, we're going to do an exclusive airdrop of just 500 NFTs. They And if you um, still hold them in six months time, we'll send you an exclusive swag package to your um, to your physical address. So I, I think that's one immediate way that people can get into. And if, if you look, look at case studies on the internet, there's a ton of them from small to massive brands that have done that. You know, if you per your example earlier, Gary Vee is just a guide, a continuous and repeating set of NFTs um, that has earned him a huge amount of money um so yeah and actually on the gary v front thinking about the mechanism like how to get started it wasn't like amazing art these were actually just drawings from gary v that he uploaded as uh, nfts so it's like the most basic starting point that you can think of really 100 percent, and that's the thing people always think the artwork is like some incredible things like if you have a design team that do your social media assets they can 100 percent put together a cool nft and yeah gary v's were just like drawings of him and, and and that's the thing he made it fun he made it personal he made it not this dull boring crap where it felt like he's just trying to rip you off and, and that's why it worked like um so yeah that, that creativity element is so key like one one of the most successful nft case studies is from ab um InBev, um, they partnered with Zed Run, where they had these NFT horses that, when you bought them, you could breed them and then sell them on. So you had they they kind of almost created this NFT that was based like a Pokemon trading card. The yeah. prices for those started at thirty dollars, yeah, and they ended up being sold for one hundred and sixty five thousand dollars. And it's all just because they came up with a cool mechanism that was built into the NFT that you could trade it with other people, and then like a new NFT would be born from your two horses, um, like you know, mating and breeding. So yeah, it. Creativity is key still. Have you invested in any NFT projects by like indie creators that you'd like to shout out? Uh, none that I can remember the name of. I've done a few gaming ones. Like I, I game a lot and quite a lot of indie gaming studios will be like, oh, you know, um, buy this um, NFT and we'll give you like an exclusive in um in-game uh sort of item or um uh yeah just cool thing or skin for your character so i've, I've done a few of those but um no not, nothing from like the, the i never got into like the proper kind of artist um sort of artistic side of things but for folk who are interested in that i'd, I'd recommend um checking out the centraland has a um, art gallery and in it you can see the, the digital art of indie creators and artists that um like submit it to get um to get exhibited and that's a really cool way to see just like an awesome awesome set of like creators and just you know genuine artists that are rather than ho- holding you know having them in an, a, a stuffy art gallery in a physical location are hosting them in the central land so that's a very cool thing to get involved with if you are um, are interested in the more sort of genuine artistic and creative side of nfts and on the gaming side as it's an area that you're interested in i don't know too much about what's considered web 3 in the gaming world so if you could elaborate i know there's going to be um again as we kind of discussed already different opinions about what web 3 is but from your view, so maybe Web3 
gaming examples on what's happening in that space yeah i mean that that is a super interesting one because like it it kind of goes i mean for most gamers what is web3 web3 is a metaverse um and, and it really goes to like what we you know what we were talking about earlier of like okay fine but by that sort of like notion gaming metaverses have been around almost as long as gaming has like it like it's a 3d virtual environment that you interact with with an avatar like you, you know like it, I, I i remember james bond goldeneye like is that a metaverse like it, it's certainly to most journalists james bond's goldeneye is a metaverse it's 3d um it's a closed environment like you know I, there's some multiplayer in it i can interact with other people on it and socialize um so yeah and you make friends and you lose friends in goldeneye as well <laughs> I, I played that the other day on a on a retro gaming arcade, and I was really, I was, it, was, it really brought back a lot of a lot of my childhood. Um, but yeah, I like where. So I think yeah, for most gamers, what they would say is like the, the thing that most gamers have as a prerequisite is they probably think a VR headset is part of a metaverse and part of Web three. And again, like, sorry, I, I, it's a classic marketer of it depends. Depends who you, it depends who you ask. I mean, like you can access Minecraft, Fortnite, most of the Roblox, uh, the Central and um, almost all of them can be accessed without a headset. Um, you know, I think Horizon Worlds is the only one that like really tries to push you for VR. Like, I don't know if it's purely VR or not. I can't remember. But you know, like it, VR is there more to augment and uplift the experience rather than being the sole focus of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like. I'd say most gamers probably think of Fortnite as Web3. Uh, they probably think of Minecraft as Web3. They definitely think of Roblox and Decentraland as Web3. And I think most, even hardcore purists would say those two are Web3 platforms. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's again, it's a bit of a sort of like, how much do they actually know about blockchain and crypto, the systems underpinning the worlds that they're playing with? Are there any of those examples of either games or development companies that you think do a particularly good job of just in their marketing? Um, in terms of developers, um, I would say one of the best, not really developer, but AMD are very good ones to follow in terms of how they interact with gamers within the, the metaverses that they are um, sort of partaking in. Is that um, a development company, AMD? Yeah, AMD are um, a hardware. Oh, it's um, the processor company. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. Graphics cards and yeah. stuff. Um, they did a, a very cool activation, and this is very much not on the side of affordable marketing, but it's just very cool. Um, they did an activation with Fortnite where they built four new maps that looked like the graphics cards and processors that they were releasing um, that year, and it also did a bunch of giveaways of computers within a sort of like in gaming um, sort of activations and events. Um, on, on the more sort of affordable side of things, one of the best brands in the world to follow for how you reach gamers is wendy's um wendy's are incredible like they just understand that okay cool hardcore gamers uh, are from the ages of like 12 to 25 that's ex they're mainly male uh, they're predominantly american that is exactly who we sell wendy's burgers to um and they have some of the best sort of marketing campaigns um that have happened and social media campaigns as well come from wendy's they did a very good um, activation in uh, Fortnite, where they created an avatar that looked just like the Wendy's mascot and had them run around smashing up freezers because um, their tagline is never frozen, always fresh. And, and like, the, the, like it got millions and millions and millions of views because every sort of um, influencer 
it, it gaming influencer tried to find the Wendy's mascot while they were playing Fortnite, like hoping they'd be on a stream where they were at. And it became this huge event that trended on Twitter. It went trended on multiple social platforms. And that's just like literally one person from Wendy's with a PlayStation accessing Fortnite and, you know, having a bit of fun. Um, so, so yeah, it's, you know, again, as, as you're saying, like if you come up with a good concept, a c- concept that's good enough, you really don't need that much budget. I understand the concept of Web3 events in context of the blockchain or NFTs. So getting an exclusive ticket maybe via an NFT that allows you to access an event. But I'm totally out of touch when it comes to accessing events in VR or even experiencing events in AR. I'm assuming that there's a whole world of that happening that I'm just not aware of. Do you spend any time in that space? No, 100%. And I actually think this will be what, and again, don't know whether you classify this Web3 in the metaverse or not, um, depends on your your personal preferences. Um, I actually think this is what will make it mainstream. Um, So almost every major um, sports team in the world is building some form of virtual version of their um, stadium. Um, The coolest one of this is probably the LA Rams. huge nfl team insane amount of money um they have built this um uh, it's sort of both it's an ar and vr experience if you're at an la rams game you can get out your phone access their sort of like um metaverse virtual version of the stadium and you can interact with fans you can see like that are across the other side of the stadium you can see cool specific um sort of uh effects and like firework shows and like breakdowns of plays that are exclusively hosted within this um metaverse that the only you can only access if you're really an la rams fan and have downloaded um but then on the flip side if you're not at the game you can access this ar um sort of slash vr kind of experience either using a headset or just on your phone and you can watch the game live as if you're fr- sitting in the stands whilst also seeing all of this cool stuff happening around you so i i think that will actually probably be what really brings metaverses into the mainstream is like sports teams and music events those things that really cut across um sort of lines of of demographics gender age um you know football fans um like are probably not who you'd think of as being on the metaverse but if suddenly man city are offering you 15 to 20 quid to get a ver- for a ticket to watch a live game that would otherwise have cost you 90 pounds and salt sells out in five minutes anyway that's where you're suddenly like all right cool i'm gonna i'm gonna download this app and i'm gonna figure this out um so i think that is actually where like what will end up taking it into the mainstream and, and we've seen with stuff like you know and travis scott hosts a um, live concert in Fortnite, and it gets 54 million fans and he makes 20 million dollars in a single day off of merch sales it just shows you like that is so much more money that he that's more money than he'd make from an entire tour and he did it in like a 30 minutes on a, on a virtual platform so again it just shows you the potential and uh, of like events within vr and ar spaces like that i think has got already shown like millions and millions and if not billions of dollars in revenue already let alone the untapped potential i think all of those things that you just mentioned are true but then the affordability of it as well like i know there would have been planning and getting travis scott into Fortnite wouldn't have been an easy thing to do but when you uh, consider the amount of revenue that it generated, the interest that it captured, and the equivalent of trying to do that through a offline tour, for example, or something else. There's just no comparison. 
So the ROI on it was probably pretty amazing. And, and as well, that's actually, like obviously the, the examples that grab the headlines are when Travis Scott or Ariana Grande do it. It's actually very, that's a very affordable marketing tactic that anyone can use. Um, Decentraland, it doesn't cost much to buy land and build on it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not nothing. It, like, you know, it could be probably ten twenty thousand $20,000. So, you know, it's, it's not for all marketing budgets. Um, but you could very much build within Decentraland a virtual version of your office, invite a bunch of people to come to a conference or a meeting or a concert at that virtual event and and just you know create essentially a virtual you know a more interactive webinar a more interactive networking event just a slightly more interesting version of something that you're actually very familiar with and have probably done a hundred times before um so yeah that that events um in metaverses and the vr space very much fall into that incredibly affordable bracket because there's a lot of places that have already built the infrastructure and you just have to like buy it or rent it I don't know much about, uh, is it Decentraland? Yes, Decentraland is sort of one of the big kind of four or five. Um, It's this huge, um, like it's hard to explain. It's kind of like a real estate platform but basically it like it has all these parcels of land that it's sold over the years um like snoop dogs bought some um like loads of people have bought them and once you've bought them through the um very intelligently land land token that is built on ethereum you now own that spot of that metaverse just in like there's no contestation of it you own it as if you'd bought a house in you know london um it's built into the contracts of the platform that that is now yours forever so it's a place where a lot of people have bought and built really cool shit like you can go you can go to casinos there you can go to hotels there um you can go to sporting events you can go to music venues and as well what's really cool is a lot of people have bought land and then built stuff like that and then you can rent it off them so you if, if you don't want to go hop full hog and build your own virtual office there's a hundred percent private meeting rooms that you can rent into central land just like you would rent them in a co-working space um similarly there's a you know you could rent a, a music venue if you wanted to do a live concert with only like a thousand people so it's it's a good way of like dipping your turn to the event space without having to go like full hog but and like buy a bunch of land and I appreciate you won't have the exact figures, but you're saying that at the moment, this is a pretty affordable space to, so there's still land available if you're interested in this to go and grab it, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's up to the sort of like, you know, if you wanted a significant plot, it's, it's in the tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So, so it's certainly not nothing. But the rental space is far more, you know, like it, maybe 500 to to $1,000. Obviously, it's all in, you pay for everything in cryptos or NFTs um, or, or tokens. Um, I think, what's the platform token i think it's called mana i can't remember but there, there's a there's an there's a metaverse specific um uh, currency that you use to buy and sell so you'll need a wallet but yeah to rent a space for a day or a week like you know it's it's, it's more in the hundreds to low thousands of dollars rather than the sort of tens where do you get your information on web3 so do you do you have a particular resource that you'd recommend to people to go and learn about like more examples of web3 of course we can um point people in the direction of literal humans and your site but yeah any other content uh, out there or publications that you recommend people read no 100 percent um so yeah i mean all of the major crypto trading platforms that are sort of like respected and stable like we already spoke about them, uh, binance uh, coinbase they have very good newsletters they have very good um, social uh, content um, they're, they're, and they just publish, you know, sort of 10 bits of content a week on on 
every sort of facet of this world. And like we said, also have those very good sort of um, entry level um, sort of uh, courses for you to take if you're new and are, are totally starting out for the first time. Um, there are also a bunch of other like, you know, specific publications and newsletters, um, you know, uh, DAP Radar, uh, Web3 Weekly, Coin Snacks, um, and then publications like Hacker Noon, Cointelegraph, Being Crypto, st- stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, as with all things, like, you know, to have a, have a look around, probably start with a quick Google, um, as we all do, um, and, and get a look and feel for things and see which ones you sort of really resonate with. Um, yeah, we, we, we publish a fair bit of over at Literary Humans, but like, we're not a web three specific, um, content marketing agency. So it, you know, it's sort of like two or three pieces a month rather than sort of two or three pieces a day. Yeah. Makes sense. And if people want to find you or Literal Humans, where can they find you? Absolutely. Um, so if they want to find Literal Humans, uh, just literalhumans.com, uh, literalhumans.com, um, I should pronounce that properly. Um, and yeah, was, uh, at Literal Humans is our social handle on everything. Um, and I'm William Gadsby P on all social platforms and, uh, and on LinkedIn, which is the one I, I actually uh, am primarily on since uh, Twitter went under. <laughs> and we, will we see you somewhere in Decentraland? Uh, are you anywhere there? <laughs> uh nowhere that i'm willing to share um <laughs> i'm not not gonna dox myself live on uh, live on podcasts um but yeah if, if you're if you're in web3 i'll and, and it's meant to be i'll find you <laughs> that's a great way to end okay this has been the internet marketing podcast take care cheers scott Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.